On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. Hello there, Secretary Hi, Clinton. April. How are you? How are you, April? I'm, I'm good. good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm thankful. I'm great. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm. Let me tell you something. I'm so thankful. I am like over the moon that you think enough of me to even write my name in your book. That's. I mean, that's what I'm thankful for. I mean, you can hear the smile. I'm beaming, and I'm so thankful. Well, you earned it. <laughs> you know, I. I am one of your biggest fans because um, I've seen how professional you've been and how you've, you know, rode the ups and the downs and your very difficult uh, position. And I just wanted the world to know that. Well, you, you, you and, and, and again, I appreciate you. And you know, you know that, um, you know, I've told you this, that, you know, you gave me the win to keep going. Um, the first speech that you had after you lost the, the election and you came out talking about me and Maxine Waters after Sean Spicer told me to stop shaking my head. And I was ready to give yep, up. And you, I remember. And you gave me the win to keep going. And I just, I'm going to continue to say that. And it's the truth. And, um, you know, people might think I'm being partisan or whatever. I'm not being partisan. I'm just saying thank you. And, um, and it means well, a lot. You know, I think, I think what you showed, though, is how important it is to keep going no matter what. Um, and it's not easy. You know that better than anybody. It's yeah. really, really hard. But on the other hand, what's our alternative? Uh, walk away from what's happening and, you know, not to inform the public, not uh, um, give understanding to how unusual and abnormal this all is. So I'm glad that you are still there and still doing everything you can to get the information to people. Well, I appreciate you. Um, I just do. And I've, I've appreciated you for over 20 some odd years. And you know that. So and 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 I appreciate, you know, you saying this. And I also appreciate this wonderful book, um, Hillary Rodham Clinton and Chelsea Clinton, the mother daughter duo talking about women, the book of gutsy women, favorite stories of courage and resilience. Um, I, I, I just I'm also impressed by the names that you have in there because you have stories in there of people that a lot of people don't necessarily know about you know you you even go into Madam C J Walker you talk about Dorothy Hype Mary McLeod Bethune Daisy Bates you knew Daisy Bates you talk about Harriet Tubman Grandma Moses uh, Jackie Joyner Curse I mean you talk Ida B Wells um, Coretta Scott King and then you also talk about people like um, you know Helen Keller you know people who inspired you and you also have a gutsy woman who really gave you strength your mama your mother. She was your first gutsy woman. Did she inspire you to write this book? I think my mother has inspired me to do everything I've tried to do in my life, April. Um, she, as I've talked about uh, before and as I write in the book, you know, had such a difficult childhood. And I just became so impressed with the way she came out of being abandoned and rejected by her own family and, you know, created uh, a, a really positive uh, uh, view about what she could do in her life, including, you know, being, uh, you know, a dedicated mother to me and my two brothers. Uh, so when Chelsea and I uh, talk about women who motivate or inspire us, and I have been doing that with Chelsea ever since she was just a little girl, uh, we often talk about my mom because 
She was also very close to Chelsea and incredibly supportive, but also, you know, served as a, uh, a, a shoulder to, you know, lean on and a, and a good conversation partner about what Chelsea was doing and how she saw her life. So both uh, Bill's mom, who uh, died when Chelsea was young, uh, that first year in the, in the White House, and my mom, who thankfully lived a lot longer, you know, have been just huge inspirations. And, of course, we think they're both gutsy women. Huh. So you talk about early inspirations um, in your book, education pioneers, earth defenders, explorers and inventors, healers, athletes, advocates and activists, storytellers and elected leaders. Which group, and also groundbreakers and women's rights champions, which group stands out most to you? And, and who is the person who really is the most gutsy woman in this book that you want to highlight? That's an impossible question, my friend, to answer, because each of these women in her own way uh, demonstrates not only personal gutsiness, which we uh, talk about uh, in our essays, but also they're in the book because they were trying to make a positive difference uh, to the world and particularly to other you know women and girls who might follow them in um, athletics or medicine or education um, so it's 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 just impossible to pick one but let me tell you about a few that your listeners may not know about um, who we are incredibly impressed by you mentioned Daisy Bates mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners do but maybe uh, some of the younger ones won't recognize that name and this is the woman who uh shortly after she was born her mother was raped and killed in a small town in south arkansas and she learned about that when she was a little girl her father had to flee uh where they lived for fear that he too could be uh targeted by you know the you know the white men who had killed um her mother and she was raised by a couple that were friends of her father. And one of the things that is so striking in her life, which she wrote about in her own autobiography and also talked about, is how the man who raised her finally said to her when she was a teenager, you know, you are consumed by hatred. And, you know, you can't live a life like that. You have to hate what people did but you can't be filled with hatred or it'll cripple you and i found that message so uh important and really reminiscent of you know great people like nelson mandela who understood he had to let his hatred go when he walked out of that prison or he'd still be imprisoned so daisy bates you know she and her husband elsie they started a black newspaper in Arkansas. She was uh, president of the NAACP, but her real uh, prominence uh, nationally and and internationally came when she was the person who shepherded the uh, students into Little Rock Central High School uh, when Orville Faba shut the school down. And I I found her, because I did get to know her when I lived in Arkansas, to be just a quietly impressive strong person and I I want people to know about her just as I want 
readers to know about these other women. Now, some names are famous, like, you know, Shirley Chisholm, oh, yes. uh, Maya Angelou, uh-huh. um, because, you know, they were they were such groundbreakers in, uh, in each of their own ways. Some are not, like Dr. Hawa Abdi, a um, Somalian uh, OBGYN who took in up to 90,000 refugees in the midst of the famine and the war in Somalia and then stood up to uh, the Al-Shabaab militia members when they tried to force her to turn over this huge camp she was running for these people, mostly women and children. You know, I I find inspiration, and I think in the times in which we live, um, a lot of readers will find inspiration from these stories, which is one of the reasons why Chelsea and I wanted to write this book. So there are two women that stand out right now uh, to me in this book. A lot of women stand out. But um, I think about Madam C.J. Walker. She was an inventor, but she wasn't just an inventor. She dealt with politics. She had her kitchen politics. All those young ladies that um, she employed, she would talk about issues of the day like lynching and things of that nature. She was very involved in civil rights. Um, And. Shirley Chisholm, the first black woman to run for president in 1972. And I think about what she said, uh, Secretary Clinton. She said, if you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. You've had your folding chair. That's right. You know, <laughs> right. You know, you've had your folding chair and you've led the table, you know, when others couldn't. You like that, huh? <laughs> she was a sassy lady. Uh, I, I love it because, you know, you, know, you mentioned you know, you mentioned two women who both Chelsea and I are, you know, both fascinated and admiring of. You know, Madam C.J. Walker in the, um, you know, in the chapter uh, that we write about her and another extraordinary woman named Margaret Knight. Um, you know, they really, they they came of age, and and they did things back in the nineteenth century that seem almost impossible to believe right now. Um, You know, when you think about, um, you know, Madam C.J. Walker, uh, you think about somebody who was uh, ahead of, way ahead of her time, uh, so far ahead of her time. And she took on the, you know, the, the challenge that, you know, I, I think is one of the, the most amazing, uh, which is to create products um, to deal with hair care. And, you know, she learned uh, by working at it, uh, and then she decided to start her own business. And, you know, in 1910, she opened her first factory. So this woman, you know, was not only one of the wealthiest black people and certainly the wealthiest black woman of her time um she's known as the first self-made uh black female uh, millionaire and you know she i love her saying which was um i got my start by giving myself a start i mean she just got going and her um grand her great grand uh daughter uh you know published a, a wonderful book about her and i just strongly feel that, you know, that there are a lot of uh, amazing small business women out there. In fact, it's true, I think, April, to say that the fastest growing segment of the small business uh, 
world is black women starting businesses in this country, and I want them to know that, hey, this is possible. It, it happened over 100 years ago, and here's somebody you can emulate. And, and Shirley Chisholm, boy, she became one of my earliest uh, political heroines. Uh, when I read about her, uh, learned about her, followed her career, watched her campaign, uh, she even today, I think, um, is inspiring, you know, a lot of the young women running for office, particularly for Congress right now. I hear a lot of references to her by uh, the young women who are getting elected. And, you know, it's, a, it's, again, a great reminder that when it was unthought of, unimaginable, you know, Shirley Chisholm, first of all, decided to run for Congress and then decided to run for president. And, uh, gosh, I, I just want everybody to remember that. Secretary Clinton, as we are in a time that we've never seen before, I mean, we've seen it, but not like this. Um, Mm -hmm. We've been Mm -hmm. bullied into submission, particularly women. What's the importance Mm -hmm. of having the guts to stand up at a time when there are death threats, when you're afraid to talk about your stand on any issue or just where you live, who you are? What does what does it mean to have guts, and do we need to continue to have those guts? Yes, we do, April. You know, I do think that that we're going through a very dangerous time in our country, where uh, the highest office in the land is occupied by someone who's determined to tear down every standard, every norm, every rule, every institution that has been constructed to protect our rights and our freedoms and give us the, you know, the strength of knowing that we were part of a self-correcting, self-perfecting democracy like the one uh, that we have had and had to fight to change over so many years, but, you know, kept breaking through all sorts of barriers. And now uh, all that matters is just raw power and one man's uh, impulsiveness and vindictiveness. You know, I often think about what would we all do? Uh, What would we all do if we had been in the midst of, uh, you know, the civil rights movement uh, crossing the Edmund uh, Pettus Bridge or, you know, found ourselves in Little Rock, Arkansas with uh, a mob of people trying to prevent uh, teenagers from going to school? Um, or what would we have been willing to sacrifice or stand up and say at any other critical moment of history? Well, I would argue that this moment is just as critical uh, because we're in a struggle for the future of our country, and we can see we have uh, adversaries within and without. Um, Clearly, we have people within America who don't value Uh, our democracy, who want to have minority rule, who want to do away with rules. And we have adversaries led by Russia abroad who want to undermine us and diminish uh, our freedom and our, you know, our strength and leadership. Uh, So we need gutsy people, men and women. But it does seem as though ever since uh, the 2016 election, particularly with the uh, you know, the Women's March. Women have been in the forefront of the uh, uh, changes that we want to see, standing up against the uh, behavior of um, this administration and its allies in Congress. And it, it's not over. And we've got to get everybody to register to vote, 
turn out to vote and and take back our country. At this moment, as the impeachment inquiry is going through and, um, and it looks like articles of impeachment will be drawn up, um, do you believe that the American public is starting to see what he did to you is now playing out with Joe Biden? Do you feel vindicated um, of what everyone was saying? I mean, what do you feel and what do you see? Well, I, I feel like what he did to win in 2016 and the allies he had, uh, particularly the Russians and WikiLeaks, uh, Cambridge Analytica, uh, Facebook, all of those who aided his um, election, um, is now once again threatening our 2020 election. And I have been sounding the alarm, and I know a lot of people were reluctant to believe it. It is hard to believe. I mean, (laughs) we've never had to face such a terrible uh, situation where a man running for uh, the presidency is aided uh, and and supported, and I, I think helped to win by a foreign adversary. But the fact that it's not stopping and you know 60 minutes had an in, had a very interesting and an important um show last night which i tuned in to watch because it was trying to explain to the american public that all of this uh distraction and diversion by uh the republicans to try to claim that no 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 it wasn't russia it wasn't russia maybe it was ukraine or maybe it was some other crazy absolutely insane conspiracy theory all to deflect attention number one from the russians uh because trump continues to do their bidding and number two from the illegitimacy of trump's election in 2016. so i'm trying to get people focused on the future which is to say what are we going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? And all of the experts who really do know what happened then and what's happening now are sounding the alarm as well. The other interesting thing about this 60 Minutes segment last night was how it explained that the Russians had hacked into congressional uh, material. I knew that, but it hasn't gotten a lot of um, publicity. I hope now people will say, hey, this wasn't just a one-off. It wasn't just about Hillary Clinton. You know, they literally were hacking into uh, the uh, confidential information, the the very strategic plans, the the get-out-the-vote plans, and everything that, you know, campaigns do to try to win. They were stealing that and then providing that to Republican operatives, and they interviewed Um, One of the people who was targeted by this Russian uh, information that was stolen, uh, who um, very clearly, as she said in her interview, uh, had been targeted by the Russians and had uh, lost by a very narrow margin in uh, the election. And I just want people to understand, they're going after our entire system. Uh, you may you may think, oh, well, I don't know what to believe. Well, I think it's time to start believing direct evidence. The indictment of these Russian soldiers who were at the core of the theft of our political information and the uh, systemic and sweeping interference in our 2016 elections 
uh, is going to happen again if we're not uh, alert and if we don't stand up and fight back. And lastly, um, the Republicans went ruthlessly after your husband in the 90s and impeached him, but he wasn't convicted. He wasn't removed. Now in 2019, Donald Trump, um, there are uh, issues of breaking the rule of law, um, bribery, obstruction of, of Congress, obstruction of justice, abuse of the office. What do you say to Republicans? You were there then and you're here now. What do you say to them about... Well, and I also, April, I, I was a lawyer on the staff investigating Richard Nixon. That's right. So I have a somewhat unique perspective on uh, impeachment. And I can say this. Uh, when the evidence was presented in uh, 1974 about President Nixon, it led to articles of impeachment on abuse of power, obstruction of justice, contempt of Congress, that led to both Democrats and Republicans on the House committee investigating Nixon to vote for the articles of impeachment, which then led to Republican senators going to the White House and telling President Nixon he needed to resign. Contrast that with where we are today. And because I did serve on that impeachment staff in 74, I know from my own research and work what's an impeachable offense, what the founders thought were the real threats to our country that they wanted impeachment to cover. And it goes right to the heart of what has been proven about this president. Uh, there is very little doubt that this president has used national security to threaten, bribe, extort information from a foreign government, to use in his own re-election uh, to harm who he saw as the leading candidate against him. You know, remember, the founders knew we would have periodic elections. But they thought there could be, between elections, behavior by an executive that was so abusive and threatening to the well-being of our democracy that you had to have a remedy, and that's what impeachment was. And I think that the evidence that has been presented um, before the committee in the House has been done in a very professional uh, way. It is incredibly... Uh, concerning and persuasive to anybody who pays attention with uh, an open mind. And for the life of me, I don't understand why there are so few, if any, Republicans who are willing to stand up for the country the way there was in 1974. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand what it is that is so intimidating to them that they can't put country before party. And I'm hoping that, you know, maybe some will uh, as this matter moves forward. Um, but I think that uh, the House had no choice other than to do what it is doing, which was to investigate this behavior under the authority and obligation they had uh, under the Constitution. 
Secretary, Secretary Clinton, I so appreciate you. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add either on the book, the book of Gutsy Women, or on anything that's happening in the world right now? Well, I do hope that um, people will buy this book, which we view as uh, a way to lift up uh, gutsy women in other times in our country. One, of course, Barbara Jordan, who delivered uh, the most powerful speech in favor of impeaching Richard Nixon about the Constitution and our country, which I think every American reader will find uh, very relevant. And so many other stories of women who overcame obstacles, personal and economic and and political and social all kinds of obstacles and i i want people to see that you can do this that we can all you know find that inner gutsiness and to think about all the gutsy women that each of us know because clearly april everybody knows gutsy women they may not have their names in uh history books but we know them because you know, they have stood up and they have taken care of business and taken care of their families and, and made a difference in their communities. And this book is fundamentally optimistic uh, about what we can do if we all get gutsy together. So I hope that um, your listeners will, you know, find this book uh, informative and useful uh, during the times we find ourselves in. Secretary Clinton. Happy Thanksgiving. Please give my best to the president. And thank you so much once again for your time and your kind words of me. And I just, I just, I just can't tell you thank you enough. Thank you. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.